Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. Content warnings for this episode include possible mentions of biphobia, alcoholism, and brief mentions of religious upbringings. Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. Alright everyone, so first we have introductions. My name is Gender Meowster. I use they them pronouns. I'm your host for today and I will let my guest introduce herself. Hi Gender Meowster. I'm so happy to be here. My name is Lauren Debra and my pronouns are she her. Yay, Lauren is here. This is so fun. This is so fun. I'm having fun already. <laughs> so I want to start with a little bit of trivia because your voice is so femme and you use she, her pronouns, you are actually the only cisgender person we've ever had on the show. That is such an honor and a privilege. You have no idea. I feel very lucky to be in a space and a community that you've created and curated to such a warm and welcoming space for, for lots of people. And yeah, it's such a privilege to be invited in. So thank you. It's so wonderful to have you here. To fill in everyone on... Why? Why? Why, <laughs> I will joyfully tell you all why. Demisexuality and bisexuality are things that trans people incur encounter and face a lot, especially when you start HRT, like your body parts change, and a lot of people get more on the ACE spectrum as they go through this transition. Sometimes there's plenty of sexuality changes that happen, right? As your gender identity shifts, all of the other identities you could possibly hold also shift. And so part of it is because I have, you have an entire podcast about coming out and experiences with coming out. And so I know that you do a really great job of listening to all kinds of people in the LGBTQ plus spectrum about their transition stories and coming out stories, even sexuality and gender related coming out stories. I've heard both on your show. And I think that from what I've seen you share about and write about the intersections of demisexuality and bisexuality, I, it's really interesting. And I wanted to have you on the show to talk about it because you talk about it so well. And I also love your podcast and I know that you're a great podcaster and just wanted all of my community to have the opportunity to learn about your show because it's great. Thank you so much. It's such, yeah, it's such a pleasure to be here. My face is already hurting from smiling because I just <laughs> love being around you. Yeah. But, uh, it was 100% <laughs> yes when you asked. So, yep, absolutely. No questions asked. I'm in. So fun. But that, that's also very beautiful to say. And yeah, I just love you so much and I'm so grateful to be here. And I hope that something I say today resonates with someone or some people, but I'm so grateful to be here to learn as well. So thanks for having me as a guest. 
It's so fun. I'm having so much fun. Oh my gosh. I'm like happily playing with my little toy over here. Just oh like my gosh. <laughs> I'm happily like in. playing with my little lap blanket that I've got on my lap here. It's great. <laughs> I also just hid self-view because I keep forgetting that because I'm watching us through Zoom. I keep forgetting that is an option. And now mm. I just like instantly feel way more relaxed that I can't see myself. And I'm just looking mm. at your lovely face and Aww. yeah, let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. In your in the first episode of your talk show, you talk about what coming out was like and discovering your bisexuality and all of that. And I wonder if you could just start off by telling us a little bit about how your relationship to your sexuality has evolved over time. Where did you start? Mm. What happened? How did things go? Oh my goodness. What's, how much what's time do I have? Story? <laughs> For the whole show, we have two hours. I think to summarize, I first had feelings for me towards men and women, because that was the scope of gender I had at that age, at a very young age. Mm -hmm. I remember probably being around 10 years old and waking up from a dream where I had a girlfriend and what we were doing in that dream was my idea of being intimate at that age, whatever that was. And feeling tremendous amounts of guilt and shame and terror and like journaling about it. Mm -hmm writing, I guess, a letter, but not to anyone, just putting it on paper to be like, am I a lesbian? What is this? What is this? I don't know. I'm terrified. What does this mean? And from there to now, I'm a proud bisexual woman, but all the way in between, there were waves and there were times where I questioned my sexuality, whether I was straight, whether I was lesbian, whether I was bi, whether I was anything else in between. And I think there's been a lot of the demisexuality without me realizing because demisexuality is something I discovered much later were big, was a big factor into why I was so unsure for so long. But yeah, for me, it was just in my teenage years, feeling attracted to lots of my very close friends who were female mm -hmm. <laughs> and then also having boyfriends. And then just as I, I grew older, just exploring that from a very safe demisexual distance. Yeah. I wow, my brain is already spattering with multiple multiple questions to ask from there. Um, yeah, I'm like, my brain wants to go in so many directions. So. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I find interesting is having intense female friendships and have that be an indication of attraction to you. And then also dating men. For me, when that happened, I realized I was lesbian. And what I hear you saying is for you, that is still a realization that you're bisexual and not solely or strictly a lesbian. You're some other category of loving multiple people. In this here moment, yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> but that as recently as probably six months ago, I've had a conversation with someone being like, I don't know, like it, it comes and goes. And I think that's a beautiful thing that I love and accept by doing the podcast is that I hear all these wonderful people's stories that I'm like, I don't have to know. And mm -hmm. I don't have to, if I decide I'm bisexual today, which I identify with, that doesn't mean that an hour from now or at the end of this conversation, I decide that doesn't suit me anymore. And that doesn't have to be the label I decide for myself. And on top of that, I don't have to label it either, mm -hmm. which is something really nice. For a long time, I just felt 
pressure to have a label Mm -hmm. and we can go deeper into this as we chat more, but a lot of pressure of, there was a lot of internalized biphobia and just like biphobia around me in general that I was like, I have to be lesbian or straight. Like there's that no one's going to believe me if I say I'm bisexual, which of course was not a good thought to have, but it was a true and honest thought I had in the back of my head for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And to be quite honest, still sometimes now, like there is a lot of internalized biphobia inside that makes me think things that I shouldn't because I would Mm -hmm. never think of them about someone else. I really appreciate you being a model of someone who is willing to not know the answers and live with the question. It took work. I haven't always been like that. Yeah, (laughs) but totally. It totally takes work to get there. Like ever since I started HRT, I feel like my 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 gender identity continues to move like i was in this very sort of non-binary androgynous place and now i'm in the more sort of transmasculine galaxy of genders and mm-hmm. yeah i feel like my sexuality is shifting too and also there's a point where it feels like it's a moot point because i'm monogamously married to my wife and so it's it's one thing to sit and think about this a lot it's another thing to have it actually make a tactical real life difference in my lived experience. But it doesn't, that doesn't or shouldn't discount like your exploration, even if it is just with your own thoughts. Like Mm -hmm. that's totally okay to be thinking about it always. Yeah. And I think that sort of brings us to what are your experiences with being demisexual? Because as a demisexual, I imagine you think about it a lot (laughs) or not at all. And then a lot sometimes when things happen, (laughs) TM. Yes. (laughs) I think... To answer that, I probably want to touch on how I discovered my demisexuality. And that was literally Googling after a few people close to me very genuinely had asked me if I thought I might be asexual, that it got to a point that I think that maybe happened two or three times. And so I Googled, can you be bisexual and asexual, which just goes to show how much or how little my knowledge was at Mm -hmm. that point. But I Googled it. And thinking whatever comes up, it's going to, it's going to give me an article or someone who's asked the same question or something. It's got to give me something. And it came up with, you might be demisexual. And I was like, oh, I've never heard that before. And so I looked at the definition and I just, like with, like I mentioned with my bisexuality, I've jumped back and forth and had all these mm, imposter syndromes and things like that. But demisexuality from that very second of reading the definition, it was like mic drop. I was like, oh my goodness, nothing has ever felt like it hit so truthfully before. And from discovering what that is, it has become a blessing and a curse, but at least it's a blessing and a curse that I'm aware of now Mm -hmm. and more a blessing than anything. The more I lean into it and the more I love and accept my demisexuality, It answers so many questions I've had for myself, but it really does just explain a lot of the things I have inside and the experiences and thoughts I've had or not had that my peers have had. And I'm like, am I just going to be a teenage girl forever? Is this how my brain is going to (laughs) be? Eternally a teenage girl that gets sweaty palms when someone wants to hold her hand? I don't know, but (laughs) I, yeah. So for me, it's just... It's been really beautiful to discover demisexuality and still every now and then something will happen. I'm like, oh, it's because I'm demisexual that I have that experience. It's not because I have internalized guilt from my Catholic upbringing or shame. Mm -hmm. And like also something else that I've discovered 
since I was a guest on another podcast where the host also identified as demisexual, that it's not something I'm going to grow out of. And that was something I always thought. I'm like, I'm going to grow out of being shy around handholding and anything else beyond that. Like handholding is makes me shy enough as it is, let it kissing or being intimate or anything else. So it's not something I'm going to grow out of. It's something that I'm going to grow into when the person fits into that. And if they don't, then it's okay. And, and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I answered your question, but that's my that's little okay. rant. <laughs> I loved your rant. It makes me curious if you suspect there may be any sort of neurodiversity going on with some of that too, or I if mean, you haven't even thought about it, or if you're just really unsure. I think unsure is probably the best thing. I wouldn't rule it out because it is, there are, there are things that have gone through my head for sure but it is something that I have not intentionally looked into properly or thought about or researched, but it just in the back of my head, because I think I'm just at a point in my life where I'm like, yeah, maybe, but I just don't have, I don't have the space to think about it right now, which isn't maybe the smartest thing to think because it would probably help if I had answers. But I think the short answer to that is maybe. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's okay to not have capacity to do all the self-care at the same time. Mm-hmm. Hi, Nifa Kitty. Nifa Kitty has come to say hello. The real star is here. <laughs> She's so cute. The best. So for those who haven't heard the word demisexual before, could you take a stab at defining it for us? Yeah, for sure. I think I have it how I identify with demisexuality. And that is that I don't have romantic or sexual attraction to someone until I have an emotional connection with them. Mm -hmm. And what I always like to add to that is that doesn't mean someone I have an emotional connection with, I will be romantically or sexually attracted to them. It just means that is a prerequisite for me to get there. And another thing that I've added to my definition is that it's not the same as just wanting to get to know someone first because it's not a choice. Yeah, There is there is no, you can decide to circumvent that step possible. I totally respect anyone who wants to get to know someone first before they pursue anything romantic or sexual, like a hundred percent go for it. But yeah. As someone who has watched my friends jump in and out of relationships or maybe meet someone that night and go home with them from the bar and be like, why can't I do that? I can tell you it's not a choice. (laughs) Totally. So can you tell us more about your feeling that being demisexual is both a blessing and a curse? Tell us how it's a blessing and tell us how it's a curse. I think it's a blessing because I feel of it like a superpower now that I know what it is, because all of the things attached to my demisexuality were the things I thought I'd grow out of or that I was ashamed of. Like, why can't I just be comfortable when someone might be flirting with me? Or why, when someone shows interest in me, do I get so nervous and so awkward and so honestly scared Mm. and like I get like the icky feels and this person is not doing anything wrong this person is probably 99% of the time a lovely person who just happens to be attracted to me and shows interest like most people in the world would and I just shut down but now knowing what demisexuality is it's a superpower that I can own that and be like, oh, this is okay. Like, Mm -hmm. I just need to explain it to them. And they are more than welcome to take it or leave it because essentially I'm telling them, I don't know. And I'm not going to tell you that if you hang out for six months, I can't tell you whether it's like, I don't have an answer for you where it's going to lead. 
but it's such a superpower to know that all of these feelings and experiences are normal and okay. And that I'm not weird for having them. So I feel powerful in that now that I know what it is. It's a curse. I should, maybe that isn't the best word to use, but sometimes it feels like a curse is probably the best way to feel when I don't have that, when I, when I get lonely, when I feel like it would be nice to have someone around and be like, that is so far away from where I am right now. And I think that's where I feel it, but more often than not, it feels like a blessing. And I think the curse part definitely came into play during the last year and a half to two years we've all lived through because I live alone. So I think that's probably more where I feel it as a negative, but most often I don't. So given that you, your brain or your neurotype or your orientation, et cetera, has some non-allosexual preferences <laughs> for connecting. What are some ways of connecting with others that feel consistently good to you? This is something we talk a lot about within like autism and like loving people while neurodivergent is like you have to find ways to connect that are not in the media necessarily, but mm. at least not as often. And so mm -hmm. I'm curious, what's just consistently yummy to you? What What's a big win in your bisexual, demisexual book? I... When I have a friend or a relationship that I care about, I love hugs and I love physical contact and that kind of thing. But I think the second I even get an inkling that it might be not friendship based, that this person might be interested in me more than a friend is when I shut down and when I feel scared. So I quite have liked the isolation in a way because I've been able to only have Zoom and phone calls with a lot of people. So I've really strengthened relationships with people without having to know based on their body language and just not even have that be a factor. If, I don't know if I'm wording this right, but basically there's nothing there getting in the way of us just chatting and having a conversation. I remember earlier on in the lockdowns, I had a brief stint on a dating app, which as a demisexual, I can tell you is a terrible idea, but I did it. <laughs> and I had a couple of FaceTime dates and they were awesome. Like I went on my first date when I was nearly 30 years old and it was terrifying absolutely terrifying. And that was another thing where I was like, I just don't want to go on a date ever. And again, discovered why, but a FaceTime date where I'm like, there is no expectation other than we're going to chat. And that was so nice. So I think just conversation where there's like a definite barrier where I know I feel safe that I don't have to stop anything that I might not want to happen is good. That's awesome. In just as a side note in the chat, we have people thanking you for talking about this intersection of identity. Thank you and about it. Trans people TM are thanking you for showing up and talking about the mm. things. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me in your community and your space to talk about it. Total joy. It's a total joy. Let's see. My goodness. There's so many great questions. I'm going to pick a fluffy fun one for now to Ooh. break up to break up some of the, the heavier hitting ones. How many or which gender identities have people have you fallen in love with TV or otherwise? AKA, tell us about all of your TV crushes. 
Please. It's like I read it's your like newsletter. They read them every week. <laughs> I know. You're amazing. You're amazing. I love the I love GIFs. you for it. Oh my gosh. And, and my minis. coworkers would tell you the same in our <laughs> direct messaging for work. I, spoiler alert, I knew this question was coming. So I did have some time to think about it. And I don't know if I have a number to place on it. And I tried to think of a way to put labels or something on it. And the more I thought about it, because some of the people are IRL people and being a demisexual, a lot of the people I've been attracted to are people that are very close to and in my life. I was like, oh, I don't know how to navigate this without potentially they watch or listen to this and then be like, wait, did Lauren? hang on, <laughs> was Lauren attracted to me or in love with me at some point? And I didn't know. So I think the short answer is insert GIF of Lindsay Lohan in Mean Girls where she says the limit does not exist. Yeah, because there have been, and I think the more my understanding grows as well, like in more recent years where I realized that there aren't two genders, then I could understand and love a whole lot more. So I guess the answer to your question is, I don't know because there's been many and mostly TV personalities because- They're safe to have crushes on. Yeah, they are. And I spend so much time with them. It's what it is that Mm -hmm. I'll I'll get a TV show I like and binge it. So then I'm spending hours a day with that person and being like, Mm -hmm. oh no. And you already know this, but for the people watching and listening, I'll wake up and be like, oh, I just dreamt that I am married to- Nick and Jess from New Girl and we're in a throuple marriage and it was great. I wonder if this is where so much of like fan writings and shipping comes from. It's just like people <laughs> like demisexual people who just want to keep writing the stories but don't want to actually have IRL experiences. Oh my gosh. I'm sure. I'm sure that is a big factor. <laughs> but yes. TV, have you ever TV. written no, but should I? Like your eyebrows are suggesting I should. <laughs> Sounds like a fun experience. <laughs> I I think I'd probably like, I feel like I'm blushing now, but I feel like I'd just blush and be like, no one could ever read this. <laughs> well, no one says you have to publish it, but That's also true. you could. <laughs> but also I, I could just send it to you. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Manny chimes in from the chat. There's also a lot of self-insert fan fiction out there. And then a really excited face. Oh and my also gosh. Paradox Satire says, but also we'd read it if you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. All right. I am going on vacation soon with lots of writing time. So who knows what I'll come back with, but you'll <laughs> so all be fun. the first to know. <laughs> I, so I, I went home to Australia for five weeks and I came back with a novel. <laughs> That's so fun. A fantastic novel. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. <laughs> who needs NaNoWriMo when you have adventure to Australia time? That's so fun. <laughs> That's amazing. There is You've all given me something to think about, and I'm there not is mad a Creative about it. Endeavors channel in the Discord if you'd like to post about your process. Okay. If you, yes. even if it's just your newsletter stuff or whatever, we have a channel for writers oh, and that's whoever, very kind. artists, amazing of any, of any variety. Yeah, all the writers in the chat are getting excited. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, I want to check out all of the other writers' work as well for sure because that's I love fun. reading as well. So that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, everyone's so excited. We're so glad you're here. 
collectively oh, I'm so all glad of us. I'm here. I like for <laughs> the people watching, Gender Master already knows this, but I don't have the chat open because I knew I'd get distracted. So I can feel the love, but I also, I will be, you heard me at the start. I was like, I got to close my own face on the thing, mm-hmm. all my attention on you. Can you tell us a little bit about how your demisexuality and bisexuality interact? Ooh. Yeah. I guess in a way that maybe the opposite in some ways that I know I mentioned the phrase earlier of imposter syndrome. That is something I felt for a really long time. I felt, and sometimes still do feel imposter syndrome in my bisexuality Mm. because of my lack of experience in relationships. Mm -hmm. And I say that as a quote, because that is some opinions that some people have that are incorrect and biphobic, but there they are inside my own brain. I think that discovering demisexuality helped me feel less of an imposter in my bisexuality and more accepting of it because I knew I had all these feelings towards multiple genders, but because they weren't constant and because I'd go long periods of time without being attracted to anyone. And because the one adult relationship I had was with a cis man, I was like, okay, I'm an imposter for sure. Which I'm here to remind everyone that someone's dating resume and history or sexual resume and history does not define their sexuality. And that is something I have had to remind myself for a really long time that my feelings are valid and my feelings are real and my experiences are real. I don't have to be in love with someone or date them for forever. I can have a feeling about them or an experience with them. And that is as valid, if not more, because it happened and it, it meant something to me. Yeah, I think they interact great because now I don't feel like an imposter. And I think they interact in my favor because, yeah, now I just know and understand all of these feelings or not feelings that I'm having are totally okay. And that it's given me a chance to reflect. We talked about earlier about people from high school and that kind of thing that now looking back, I'm like, oh, that's what that was. Do you remember when you got really mad when that girl that you were really close to stopped talking to you and like it broke your heart and you acted the same way that you then acted during a breakup in your Uh twenties? That's why. (laughs) So I think once, yeah, they interact well now that again, because demisexuality came into play so much later for me in terms of my awareness of it that they interact really well and in my favor. So I don't feel like an imposter because I'm not. And neither are you, if you're listening to this and be like, I felt like that too. You are not. And everything you feel is valid and real. Yeah. Maddie in the chat is saying, we love quote unquote imposters, the people who come to their identities unsure, but dedicated. They always grow into quote unquote real ones. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. I feel that. Yeah. That's what you're talking about is so relatable. Like, I think the imposter syndrome thing is really common, both like gender issues, sexuality issues, neurodiversity issues, like anything that deviates from like cisgender heteronormativity Mm -hmm. and neurotypicalness is like people, it takes people time to realize that they may not be this over culture narrative that we're fed all the time. 
Yes. And it just I'm learning that more and more that it's common because you feel like yeah. you're the only one. And that if that just <laughs> makes your imposter syndrome stronger, because you're like, mm-hmm. well, I'm the only one who feels like this. And if I'm not a hundred percent certain that I'm obviously wrong, like <laughs> that's not true. And that's why we make content like this, because the whole purpose is to normalize these experiences for folks so that they mm-hmm. know that they're not alone. Yes. So that they know, you know those intense feelings they had towards that friend who's the same assigned gender at birth or whatever mm-hmm. actually might be some form of like homosexuality or bisexuality. Yes. I will tell you if I may have fun. It's not fun, but an interesting little story. About six-ish months ago, I posted, oh, maybe almost a year ago. It was my 30th birthday. I posted a series of photos from my childhood and someone that I've known for a while commented and tagged someone saying, hey, is this you? And it was someone I went to school with and I haven't seen in many years. And then I got to reconnect with her and it was really exciting and we were messaging and it was lovely. And then she was like, hey, how funny is this? And she had found a letter I had written her when we were like maybe 13 and I had signed it. I love you in a non-lesbian way. And I was like, wow, the homophobia of it all. Okay. Okay. And she, and I was, and then we had just reconnected after many years and I got to be like, spoiler alert, I grew up to be bi. And she wrote back and it was on Instagram DMs, a video of her driving the car. Spoiler alert. I'm a lesbian. This is my girlfriend. And they were like, Hey, and it was the best. It was unfortunate. That's what we would just got to have this beautiful moment where we were like, uh, you know, what happened, but look at us. We're thriving. Yeah. So that was an interesting reflection, but also to your point of making this kind of content, I cannot stress enough how much it's coming up to a year since I started my podcast and how much I've flourished and grown since listening to other people's stories and experiences and realizing that you don't have to have all the answers and that it's a journey and that everything you're feeling is valid and normal. Like it's okay to have all of these feelings of, whatever it is because they're yours to feel but yeah sharing these experiences like i love what you do with this show because it's just it's so important that people hear other people's stories and realize that everything's okay you're never alone how else has your podcast helped you feel more comfortable in your queerness tell us Um, because we're both doing like queer normalizing podcasty things yeah i guess for a bit of background in my podcast that my dad came out to me first when i was 20 as bisexual and around that time i had feelings lots of different feelings and i just moved to a city where I'd grown up in a small town and I was in a big city and I had some like queer friends for the first time in my life. So I was like being exposed to, to my knowledge, I should say for the first time in my life. So I was being exposed to like just life with queer people. And it was really joyful and wonderful. And I got to go to bars and things like that were just like, not the same nightclub I'd been going to for (laughs) up until that point in my small hometown and seeing the same stuff anyway and it was just opening up my world in a way where I was like okay I'm having some feelings a lot stronger than I ever have before and I think this is maybe something I'm like deciding on anyway so then my dad came out and then I just took a huge backseat for a really Mm -hmm. long time and for a long time was like yeah it's because he came out and no one cares about me now because I was young and selfish um And although I didn't really still have that point of view when I started the podcast, it was still there, um, just not as strong. And by the time I started the podcast, I was out and very proud. 
But in the course of the podcast, I have come to realize that everything happened when it was supposed to. His coming out didn't stop me coming out. I just came out when I was ready. And when I maybe had a better idea of how I felt and what I felt and who I was. And not only that, but his coming out opened a door for me that maybe I wouldn't have had before because I felt less alone in my family then to have him come out before me. So I think I have lent into my sexuality so much as a result of listening to so many other people's stories that I can relate to, or just hearing completely different experiences as well. And I'm just really a whole lot more comfy and a whole lot more grateful and a whole lot lot less selfish (laughs) in my queerness as a result of the podcast. At least that's how I feel. (laughs) Again, the spider brain and which thing to pick next because there's so many good things to talk about. (laughs) And I just Um, feel like I'm talking so much. I'm like, okay. No, you're doing great. The thing is, you're the guest. You're supposed to be the one talking more. (laughs) I know it's totally different from hosting, right? I I think you're doing a magnificent job. Thank Um, you. I'm in great company. (laughs) And I appreciate your compliments. So you mentioned your dad. I wonder if Mm -hmm. you could tell us some more details about that part of the story, because it's interesting. Like you even tell stories about like shoelaces, like what's the shoelace story? Could you like tell us more? So this all my podcast is called My Dad Stole My Limelight. And that sparked from my brief uh, stint in stand up comedy where there was that was a punchline to a joke where I, I essentially came out officially on stage in my standup is where I really just started talking about it and feeling comfortable in it. And it was a great space to just be like, talk and talk and make jokes about it so I could get comfy with it. But that was a punchline to a joke. And basically the joke had a lot of content of like things I should have known and like things my dad did that should have been a dead giveaway. And some of them were definitely problematic and I would never repeat now because they were stereotypes and or even just things that like didn't make sense in the context, but the shoelace one is a fun one. So when I was like maybe 16, I went to a teenage girl's clothing store that I think probably the equivalent, I don't actually, I was about to make a Canadian reference. I don't know if you have Ardeen in the States, but anyway, like teenage girl clothing is a great comparison. And I picked up some hot pink shoelaces that said, I like boys on them. Mm -hmm. And because that's what teenage girls wants to want to wear. Great store. I, in my teenage brain, thought it would be so funny to give them to my dad because that's internalized or not even internalized, just homophobia right there. But I thought that would be so funny. And I gave them to him and he put them in his work shoes right away and used them until those work shoes were not his work shoes anymore. Was he Things still like married that. at the time? No, my parents have been broken up since I was young. And I was just like, wow, my dad's such a funny guy. How funny is he going along with this joke? Which for the record, I would not make that joke now, but at the time. Brain, uh, right? Absolutely. I still am. Train your brain from a cis het culture. Absolutely. Still am doing that. But yes, a hundred percent. That's exactly what it was. And I, yeah, it was stuff like that where I was just like, should have known, ha ha ha, in my jokes. Yeah. So I'm really excited. My dad isn't like, I guess, a tech guy in any sense of the word. Like he doesn't even use the internet. He's very, I'm jealous of him in a lot of ways because he's so off the grid, but he knows about the podcast and he's very, I've just told him how grateful I am 
and shared my journey with it along the way in the best way I can say, look, you don't even realize how much you've inspired these conversations and inspired me to get more comfy in my sexuality. And I started off being annoyed and now I'm not. And I'm really grateful for you. And he was just like, wow, I didn't do anything. Like he's a jokester. So it feels good to not do anything and feel like I'm making a change. And I'm like, but you are doing things. You just, anyway. Seems like Um, being a jokester runs in the family. Oh, it's so funny, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Tried to win his love with jokes. Why? Yeah. So that was like a factor of the the pink shoelaces and the logo to the podcast are his work boots with pink shoelaces in them. And then my black combat boots, which I've had a variation of since I was like a teenager. I've since, you know, stopped buying my $20 pair Kmart. Do you have Kmart here? We had that in Australia. And now I have docs, but like my whole life I've had black combat boots of some regard and he's always had his brown work boots and so it was really cute my wonderful friend Rafi created that logo after having a really wonderful and deep conversation with me and like it's very personal and wonderful and yeah the pink shoelaces in the boots that's them I and what's funny is I wonder if he even remembers that but I'm definitely going to remind him when I see him in a week's time (laughs) because he like him not being on the internet I've told him about the logo Mm -hmm. and I'm like I can't wait to show you like things like that and yeah so it's you can just fun. pull it up on your phone and stand next to him and maybe That's he's us. even wearing the work boots with the shoelaces. Maybe. You should get him another shoelaces. pair of those shoelaces for Christmas. Oh my gosh. I wonder if they, yes, I wonder if they still exist. Oh my goodness. Oh, also there is a fire truck going by. I apologize if that is picking up in the mic. We do hear it. Yes. Do you want me to hear <clears throat> while it goes by? Sure. While you're doing that, I will, I'll read you the next question. You can consider it. So Maddie in the chat asks, did you ever experience people who blamed you or blamed your dad for your bisexuality? What do you say to those people? And my follow-up random piece of trivia is either two-thirds or half of the audience today is Canadian, so they're getting your Canadian references and doing maple leaves in the chat right now. Oh my gosh. Okay. On the Canadian thing, thank you. I will stop being like, I don't know if you have this in Canada because now I know. So thank uh, in America, I should say. I, not to my knowledge, no one has directly made those comments, no, but I do, I can say this openly because I don't think anyone that this might be about would be someone who would know I was on the show and then listen to it. But I do think that indirectly people have thought or said those things around me. And I think what it boils down to is that my dad and I have always been very close ever since I was very little, like a child. Mm -hmm. And I think that some people may think that a lot of things I did do when I was younger, I was just trying to be like him. And maybe that is more in my head than actually people think. But Mm -hmm. thankfully, no one directly has ever said those kinds of things to me no but i do feel that it is felt sometimes yeah mm-hmm. yeah but and hey you open the door for me thanks you're fabulous <laughs> so you have mentioned that you have this trip that's coming up and one observation you had before the show was that many lgbtq plus folks end up not living where they grew up and so i wonder you can tell us why do you think that is and what else have you heard about this phenomenon? We can dig into it a little bit, maybe with the chat too. Yeah, I, I would definitely love people to jump in the chat if they have thoughts or comments around this, but it's just something I realized over the course of finding a, a 
queer community that I've really connected with during the pandemic more and also through doing my podcast just in general connecting with more awesome people and I think it's just something that I'm realizing more and more that majority of them no longer live where they grew up mm-hmm. and I'm like I don't think that's a coincidence I think that, and I don't think it always, this is where I'd love to hear people's thoughts. I don't think it's always that they necessarily had a bad experience where they grew up. Sometimes they did. Sometimes they weren't happy there. Sometimes it was a small town. They needed to get away for whatever reason. And that's totally understandable. But I also think that sometimes it might just be they needed to expand their horizons because they needed to meet more people like them or go where no one knew them. For me, that was such a big and awesome feeling when I went somewhere where I felt like no one knew me. And I've done that a few times in my life, quite honestly, even now as a grown up, whatever, if I'll ever be grown up woman, that like when I move to a new place or go on vacation where I feel like no one knows me, I'm like, I feel like free in such a way that I'm like not having to worry what people already know about me or what people already think about me, therefore have to explain anything. Like I just show up, be present and not have to change anyone's opinions. They're getting there anyway. I'm curious if outside of people wanting to get away for very valid reasons, if there's anyone else that's just felt a desire to go somewhere where they've not known just so they can be themselves. Yeah, I think there's definitely something that we call a geographic cure when you run into a bunch of negative relationships or it seems like everything's burning down around you. You just go to a new town and start over. And so for some people, especially <clears throat> especially I'd say in the trans community, when you're coming out and just starting to have those experiences, you're going through puberty again. Stuff is hard. Like you are behaving like a teenager, even if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, etc. Like it's and for some people, they end up needing to move to start fresh. And so then no one knows their dead name. People did not experience all that awkward, like <clears throat> teenagerness that mm-hmm. makes that that can make that time so challenging. I know that my first puberty was in a small town and I didn't stay in that town either. Like I've totally moved multiple times since then. I'm also curious how much in general millennials move, if this is a generational thing more broadly, or if it is specific to the LGBTQ plus community. That's a very good point. There's a lot of diaspora that's happening with how global the world is becoming. Yeah. But there's definitely like that opportunity to reinvent yourself when you move is it can be nice. I've gotten really good at it, which I don't think that's not a brag. Yeah. And it's also, for me now, it's interesting, like, I've lived in this town that I'm in now for maybe two years, and I'm anticipating living here for at least five more, if not my whole life. And so it's, whoa, am I done moving? What does that Mm -hmm. even mean? Do I I let go of these boxes that I just always keep because the next move is is a year away or whatever, and it's a hassle to go get new boxes? Anyway, it's an interesting piece. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I feel like every time I've moved, I've just stepped into myself a little bit more Mm -hmm. and that's not just in my sexuality, but that's been a big part of it for sure. A big relief, I think. Mm -hmm. But similar to you, I feel like the city I'm in now is one I'm not going to leave for a while. I plan to be here for a bit. Also, it's a great base to be for someone who likes to travel. So that helps. It's not like I'm going to stay here and never go anywhere else. And it's an affordable place to base myself. So I just... 
this is the first time in a long time I felt like that too. Maybe that's just age as well. Maybe we're just maturing. Yeah, that's just being a 30 something. <laughs> we're growing up. <laughs> Tell my sexuality that. Your sexuality is valid as heck, just as it yes, is. Yes, thank you. It doesn't you. need to grow up to be valid. It's already there. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. What are you looking forward to with your trip? Lots of things. A big factor of my trip, I'm seeing my grandparents and I'm spending majority of my time in their home. And I'm just so excited to do that. I'm so excited to just hang out in their home because it's the one, like, constant home I've had because my parents have moved around a bit and that kind of thing. But there, my grandparents' home has just always been there. And I'm just like, and it doesn't change. And it has the same smell and the grass looks the same and the same flowers are in the garden, all these kinds of things. I'm just so excited to go and spend time with them. But outside of that, I'm really excited to connect. This will be the first time seeing my dad since the podcast. So I just feel Mm. like I've had a lot of growth in terms of my love an acceptance for him without the focus being on me. (laughs) So I'm really excited to have those connections with him and spend that quality time with him. I think I'm gone for five weeks and a lot of it is going to be not super planned out. There's going to be a lot of Lauren time. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to switch off. My grandparents don't have Wi-Fi, and I'm looking forward to just embracing that. Uh, Like a blank notebook and a pen. So you can just hand mm -hmm. write a bunch of stuff. Exactly that. Go to little cafes for an hour in the morning. If I feel the need, I want to do some writing or something, check some emails, but yeah, I'm really excited about that. I, this is the first time I've gone home in a long time and I just feel so much comfier and confident in myself, hugely my sexuality, but just in general. Mm-hmm. than I have in my past visits home. I've grown a lot. It's been nearly four years. So that's a long time. A lot mm-hmm. changes in four years. And I think on the other hand, a lot changes for other people too. I'm still picturing all my family and friends to be the exact same as they were when I left. And they are definitely not going to be like yeah. inside and outside. <laughs> so everyone like grows. Everyone needs a social software update. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That. They're all running yeah. on on 20, 2017 software yeah. update to 2021, <laughs> 2022. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's also so interesting because Australia has not experienced the last year and a half, two years, the same way Canada and other places have. Right. More recently, they've experienced it a bit more severely, but for the most part, they really, and I'm grateful because as someone who has so many people they love and care about in that country, mm-hmm. it was such a relief not to have to stress about them because the places they lived were like, totally operating as per usual for the majority of the time they're making Um, insane choices yeah they're just they're an island so they just got to literally shut off to the world and it really helped but they could never understand the experience i've had during that time or that other people have had in other places during this time yeah it'll be interesting just like navigating the country in general surrounded by people who are just like, yeah, we had to wear masks for a little bit. <laughs> like, oh no, you still are? Same. Mm-hmm. That's all I've been doing. Anyway, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm wondering if we can talk a little more about how does self-expression and making art to work through things help you discover more about yourself? Hugely the podcast and the newsletter that you mentioned. I just feel like 
my newsletter, I call it a digital journal. And it literally is that I'm just typing away, working things out as I type. And I think you mentioned the channel in the discord, but I think there's so many creative outlets that people use podcast writing for me. Sometimes I draw, but that's not a main one for me, but it could be visual art, writing, music. There's just so many ways you can express yourself. And I think it's just really important because without my creative endeavors, I don't know where I'd still be in my journey. There've been such a way to push through them and work through them and think out loud as well. This right now I'm thinking out loud with you and we're like, I'm like realizing things in the moment. And this is such a special space that people get to come and do that with you. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's so important to have these things for like me as a guest and for the people listening that we're realizing things and working through things in real time and creative outlets are such a special way and special place to do that. So if you find a creative outlet that you love, stick with it and always make time for it. That's yeah. So we have, This is an interesting bit of trivia from the chat. Maddie says, a friend of mine once said the journaling never worked for them, but autoethnography sure did. And now we have a definition of what that is. Autoethnography is a form of method of research that involves self-observation and reflexive investigation in the context of ethnographic fieldwork and writing. Huh. I'm learning, see? In real time. (laughs) Yeah. We have a lot of people with special interests in this community Mm -hmm. and I love how big nerdy we are it's so great I love it I love (laughs) it it is so great yeah there's no rules to your creativity or your hobby or just I just especially in my newsletter you know this but like I love just any way that something just calls to my soul like I just use that word so much because there's no other way I can describe it. It's just like, uh, it's pulling on my heartstrings and my soul is calling for it. Then I'm never, ever going to put that aside. I write lots of things that don't see the light of day, not fan fiction yet, but it's because when I write, I just feel so free and expressive and every part of it is enjoyable to me. And yeah, I know people that feel that through lots of different creative endeavors. So I just think that if journaling's not for you, but you find another thing, go for it because it's so important. You don't put that in the backseat. Mm-hmm. And another thing is, it's not like the purpose of writing is always to publish. Sometimes the purpose exactly. of writing is just the exercise itself. And so mm-hmm. you can take that extra layer of like stress or challenge off of yourself and just be in the process. Yeah, for sure. Like the newsletter is something that I put out. It's maybe, I want to say like maybe 50% of the writing I do in a week, if that, because I'm just doing journaling and stories and that's my way to get it out. So if you're an artist or creative in any sense of the word, put out whatever you want to put out, but don't feel like you, that's why you're doing it. Exactly right. You're hundred percent spot on. It's for you. 
first mm-hmm. and foremost. I have two more questions for you. So this is my verbal call to the chat. If you all have any questions for the AMA on this topic, I know some of you arrived after we started. Please do submit those questions in the chat or in the AMA channel in Discord, and we will try to work them in before the end of the show. So my next question for you, Lauren, is tell us about why, in your own words, the LGBTQ plus community is important. Like having community Ooh. around these identities is so important. Gosh, why isn't it? I just feel like it's so important to have people with shared experiences around you or different experiences so that you can understand people unlike yourself as well. If you're not part of the LGBT plus community, you're never going to understand how important that is. So it's so hard to put into words because I think Mm -hmm. everyone listening that is part of that community knows exactly why it's so important. I think once I had people around me from that community, my life just vastly improved and got happier mm-hmm. and got more comfy. And I didn't hold back or bite my tongue. And I don't, I should say, hold back or bite my tongue when I'm around those people in terms of, oh, should I like, should I just like everything I say? change genders of people. So it's just all hetero so that I don't make that person feel uncomfortable or I won't mention my demisexuality because then I'll have to explain what it is. And maybe they're not open to understanding what that is yet. And like all of these things. And it's just so nice to have a community where you don't have to think about any of that. You can just go and be yourself with your gender, your sexuality or anything else. And just know that you don't have to worry about what the other person's going to think. And it's such a privilege to find that a community where you can be like that. I, I think it's important to me because I knew what it was like without it. And I knew I wasn't my true self before I found it. So I think that's the best way to summarize it for me personally. So it's helped you become more authentically yourself and more confident in that authenticity. Yeah. More visibly, comfortably myself. Gosh, I love you so much. I, know. I just want to reach to the screen and hug you. <laughs> oh. It's so good. I love being friends. It's I love being friends with it's you. So <laughs> it's so fun. It's so fun. Oh my gosh. I love it all. I'm so lucky. We're both very lucky. Also, Nefertiti is lucky. Nefertiti, I love you too. <laughs> all right. So the last question that I have is, what would you like to make sure that folks know about your perspective on gender, sexuality, and non-binary or trans issues? Probably just want to reiterate my point of how grateful I am to be invited into this space as a cis guest and that it is such an honor and a privilege and that I'm so glad this space exists. And the best way I can describe my answer to your question is that I'm a work in progress because I, the day I have the attitude that I'm done learning, please be like, "Mm, Lauren, we need to have a chat (laughs) because I'm never done learning. Yeah. I think work in progress, a gratitude for people who share their experiences. I think a big reason why I like to share my experience because that's how you learn. And if someone's willing to share with you, listen, yeah, just eternally grateful for everything I'm able to witness and learn from people to further my understanding and yeah, I don't know. That's the best way I can put it into words. I'm just like so full of gratitude and the knowledge that I don't have all the knowledge. 
<laughs> and mm. there's always something to learn from every person you encounter. This has been such a delight to have you here, Lauren. That's so oh nice. That's so Thank you so much. I can feel like my face is like hurting. My eyes are hurting, but in the best way. <laughs> like my cheeks hurt from grinning this whole time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can feel that like my mascara is probably all over my face because I've been like tearing up happily and I'm totally okay with it. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to share with our guests before we say our goodbyes and raid a channel? I've said this again and I don't get, but it cannot be said enough that thank you so much for this show, for its existence, like on behalf of everyone that gets to witness it and be a part of it. Thank you for creating this. Thank you for having me a part of this. Thank you for being such a wonderful friend. I'm so happy you're in my life. My life is infinitely better because you're in it. And thank you to everyone who's like watching and listening and for asking questions. And we were chatting before we went live and I was like, yes, I'm so excited for people to ask me questions because... I don't know what people want to know or what I'm taking for granted that people might know or might not know. So I'm just mm -hmm. so grateful for everyone that, that submitted questions and thoughts and taught me things. So good. Just big love. That's my ending thought. Big love. Folks in the chat are saying, thank you so much, Lauren. This was a treat. Thank you for being here. And they're sending emojis of various animals hugging hearts and oh. saying, hecking big love. <laughs> oh, hecking big love right back at you all. Thank heck. you so much. All the heck, heck. all the love. All the heck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me.